0: To answer the question for yourselves, do you have a story to tell?
1: And welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. We're up to episode 7 and today I'm going to try something a little bit different. Uh, First of all, I forgot to record... Episode 000, which apparently is podcaster speak for me telling you all about me. So I thought I'd very quickly do that now, but I'm only going to take a few minutes of your time because I have Derek Depka of ebook bestsellers waiting in the wings. Uh, it's six o'clock in the morning, my time, but I believe it could be evening Derek's time. Uh, So first of all, I want to tell you where I'm at and what I'm hoping to achieve in the next six months. So things are really exciting for me at the moment and everything appears to be coming together after several years of really hard work and getting nowhere very far, Uh, which is one of the reasons I've got Derek with me today because he's going to be my mentor and coach from here on in. So hopefully we'll be seeing some results. I did say to Derek uh, early in the conversation that hopefully by this time next year, I'll be starting to be able to teach school a little bit less and have more time with my business. And he said to me straight away that he hopes he can get me up and running uh, much quicker than that. And Derek, I can tell you, I teach a lot of year eights at the moment, and I'm really looking forward to you getting me up, up and running a lot quicker than that as well. So where I'm at, I have several books published now, one adult fiction and two, maybe three middle grade fictions. Um, If my brother Richard's listening at the moment, he'll yell at me for that because he's still waiting on number three to be published. I have a non-fiction companion book to my adult fiction, The Miner's Wife, and I'll be doing a tour in WA at Christmas to promote that. Uh, But the thing that I'm really, really excited about is there's a Work From Anywhere conference coming up here in Australia, in Sydney, I believe, in November. And I'll be having Andy on the podcast and he has organised that conference and he'll be telling us more about that in the coming weeks. I'm now with podcast websites and the technical team have been helping me get my new website up and running and it's starting to look pretty spiffy. There's now a button where you can hit to review my podcast, and it's through iTunes. So if you go into my website, look at the episodes, you can download my episodes through iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, I think the other one is. And there's another button there called Clamour, but I'm not quite sure what that is yet. But you can also ask me a question, you can book my time, and you can review my podcast uh, through iTunes, which would be absolutely wonderful. There's also a subscribe to my newsletter button, And the subscribers are slowly mounting up. And I've got a giveaway on that one, which I'll tell you a little bit more about in the coming weeks. I'm interviewing Mandy from Broads Abroad, and she's a travel networker. And she has given me some of her books to give away to my guests for subscribing to our newsletter. So we're pretty excited about that. And I'm hoping to have Mandy on again uh, quite often because she's a fascinating woman and she has lots of stories to tell. I've also got podcast websites, they're coming on board as my design team, which is going to consolidate my brand across all my media. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more professionalism happening all round. But for today, I'd like you to sit back and listen to my new mentor and coach as he tells all of us uh, about self-publishing and uh, writing bestsellers and how to get them up and running. His idea is to empower writers and help us position and market our books. Derek is and unfortunately, he can see me now. I was hoping this was going to be just audio, but he's a fitness guru. And oh, that's he started out as a fitness guru, but nowadays he does a whole lot more. I met Derek through uh, a, a course on audiobooks, and I was going to make this interview all about audiobooks. But as I was just saying to Derek, he is so much more than that. He's into ebook bestsellers, he's into motivation, he's into coaching, and he's here for the long game, which is why I've got him on here today because we're all out here trying to make our careers out of this writing game. Derek, and I'm assuming you're one of the people who's going to help us along our journey. Um, I've introduced you. Now, would you like to tidy that up and tell us all about yourself?
0: Sure thing. And that's a great uh, introduction to a number of things I do, Melinda. First of all, thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, I mean, my start was like a lot of people I, I, I see that get into this, which was I was struggling in my day job uh, to pay the bills. So uh, my dream was to become a rock star. And that's what brought me out to Los Angeles, California. And what I ended up doing, though, was uh, valet parking and delivering hot wings and basically being dead broke, uh, sleeping on an air mattress for a few years. And during that time period, that's when I got into this whole idea of creating some sort of online business where I can share the the topics that I'm passionate about and earn an income doing it. So that's Started out with some videos, YouTube videos and things like that, and then quickly got into writing, which was blogging and putting together some of my own books. And What happened was uh, basically I probably spent a lot more money than I ever made from those things in the early uh, years. I published my first book on Kindle in the middle of 2012. And it was inspired. I actually won a Kindle uh, by posting on a blog. so I got it. I thought, okay great. I can take all this stuff that I had been writing on my blog and put a book out there and maybe that'll make me some money And I probably sold about three copies of my book in the first few months. pretty sure one of those copies was to my mom. And so didn't really make much money from it uh, so I published my next book. And this time I studied a lot more. Went through training courses, uh, went through a number of books and different things, learning about self publishing. And uh, that time I actually made a few sales. Uh, I earned about $100 in income. Uh, But when I looked at my expenses, I probably spent about that much money, not to even consider the months that I spent writing the book. So it was definitely a challenge early on in the journey to uh, really pick up any traction. But then I, I. Kept going and I published my third book. And this time, uh, I really had the intention of creating a book. Uh, all my books came from the heart and were topics that I was passionate about. With this book, it was like, you know, if I m- make money with it, great. If not, I'm still writing a book that I would love to leave behind for people, like leave my legacy, so to speak. And with that book and some new marketing approaches and a bit of a different mindset that ended up uh, very quickly going to number one bestseller in a very competitive category, weight loss. And uh, so that was end of 2012 after a few years of research and about six months after specifically doing uh, self-publishing. And then uh, since then, since uh, end of 2012, I've been publishing multiple books that have gone on to become bestsellers in uh, self-help, health and fitness, authorship-related books, uh, and created training courses at the beginning of 2013 to help other authors, multiple multiple training courses, coaching, and uh, now that brings back uh, now to 2015 where I got into audiobooks and creating my trainings around that, which is how we connected. So it's been quite a journey uh, for me and, and what some people don't see is actually before I had my breakthrough, my best-selling book, there was years prior to that of studying and writing and creating books and doing things that didn't sell, didn't pick up any traction. And, uh to, to wrap that up, I'll just – I'll leave this mindset for my fellow writers uh, listening to this that as much as it was uh, – there's some fear of, well, what if I write these books and no one wants it? What if I put all this money into it and I don't make it back and and a lot of those fears and concerns and worries that, that came up and looking back, I, I would have only lost all that time and money if I had quit but by continuing to go and get the lessons from it – What ended up happening was that time and money that I invested on the books that didn't sell was really just time and money invested into my education. So there's many people who will spend years of their life going to a college, getting an education, spend uh, thousands and tens of thousands of of dollars of, of income to get an education without a guarantee of return, well, the self-publishing journey is similar. All the books that you write that maybe don't take off or things that you do, as long as you're getting an education and a lesson from it and you keep going and you stick with the process, then it can definitely pay off down the road.
1: I... I'm writing notes as um, you're speaking, Derek, because one of the things that my podcast is about is the self-publishing journey. Everything you've just covered is what I've experienced right up to making any decent money, right up into creating a viable business. Um, I was reading some comments on your first 10,000 customers this morning and the frustration of one of the guys who was posting his comments is he's doing everything that he thinks he should be doing, but he's not seeing any success and he wants to give up. And the great thing about that was that so many people jumped on and made comments and said, Keep going. Uh, if you give up, the only thing you're guaranteeing is that you won't succeed. Uh, how do you feel about that, just surrounding yourself with a community that is supportive?
0: The community aspect is huge, and this ties into something I've learned uh, when it comes to health and fitness and really a lot of different areas of life. I have a tendency to want to do things myself uh, could be termed as sort of a lone wolf, a loner. I definitely have an introvert personality too, so I like to just kind of do my thing, be in my world. And, uh, what I really found though is this relationships and support from other people that's critical for success. And one of the things that I've heard, uh, there's a book called Change or Die. And uh, I'm paraphrasing what I, what I heard from it, which is, um, Jack Canfield was actually talking about it. He said that those who had to make a change or they were going to die, like, you know, let's say their health was crashing and they had to change their diet or else they were going to die. Most people still failed to make a change, even in a life or death situation, if they approached it one way. And most people were successful if they approached it a different way. And that only difference between the people who were successful and not successful was those who were successful got support they got help. And so even in a life or death situation it's hard to overcome our our habits or see outside of our own perspective and that's why it's so important to have that community and that support especially when a person reaches that point where we all get to that point. I get to that point continuously where it's like man I don't I feel like I'm doing everything right I'm not seeing any results and just wanting to quit that's a normal state and so by being in that community you get the people saying yeah keep going you can you can do it and it's you know i can say i'm super self motivated and self disciplined and, and and all that sort of stuff tell myself all those things yet still even i know that i benefit from having uh, some outside support and encouragement and that can help sort of keep me focused on um on on, on my goals and to add to even more of that I would say that that's where something like uh, you know, having multiple, I have multiple coaches and mentors and people that I really trust in my inner circle, a business partner that offers me great guidance. Having a few of these people in my life that can call me out on some of my crap and that can help me see some things I'm not seeing or can say, you know what, Derek, this is your strength. Focus on this and let go of some of that other stuff you're distracting yourself with. All of these things uh, can happen when you're you put yourself into a community and you allow yourself to be open to uh, feedback and encouragement from others.
1: Yeah. And the main thing I picked up out of that is a. I'm looking at Derek and he's very, very young but obviously has a wealth of experience and has worked very, very hard at his craft and you've mastered that and now you're about helping others. And your journey that you've described is is similar to so many journeys that I hear about. It's definitely my own journey and I'm at the point where I sent Derek an email, everybody to explain where I was at because I put my hand up for some coaching with Derek. And one of the things that I noticed in that email was I had so many things happening and they were all up in the air, all, all these little balls running around in the sky and no one could possibly manage to do all those things at once. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. Now I do want to talk to you about audiobooks later because I'm a bit of a loner and I want to do all that myself as well. Is it possible to do everything yourself?
0: Um, what I would say to that is, well, first of all, one thing you brought up is the idea of all, all of these you know, possibilities and things that you can do or, or want to do. And something that it was a uh, uh, marketer named Alex Mandosian who has this quote, he says, you, can, um, you can't do everything, but you can do anything one thing at a time. And that's something I continuously remind myself of because I definitely have that type of brain that is, and especially I, I think a lot of writers can relate to this of we can be creative and as part of the creative process, see so many possibilities and so many, uh, I could do this and I can do this and I can, and all of it's possible. And so it becomes sort of a paradox in that because so many things are possible, less actually happens less actually comes to fruition or or is created because so much could be created and then it's like the the overwhelm of choices so learning how to balance that of staying open to creative possibilities and yet also being able to say no to things or at least say not right now to things helps get that focus and then to tie into the the idea of do it all ourselves there's somewhat of a going a little bit even sort of deeper philosophical, almost an illusion of being you know myself versus working with others because from a certain perspective we're all interconnected and interdependent with each other. So I can't create a book that's successful that's separate from readers. Buying the book. And part of that means that process can entail getting feedback from readers and engaging with my readers. And, uh, you know, so you can approach it like, well, can I do it myself versus outsource to someone else to help or, or these different things? And at some point, though, I go, you know, it, it's maybe not the best question to ask as much as what is my gift, and then what can I work with others on? I do believe that working with others is uh, is ultimately the way to get much more done in a much more powerful way. Now, speaking practically to that, if it's someone going well. If if it's more like can I edit a book myself or can I get a cover design – do the cover design myself or do some of these things, you might start out doing more yourself. I would encourage as as quickly as possible and it's a challenge for me because I like to do a lot of things myself. Look to what you can get help with from another. So for many authors, that means – Get, please get a cover designer, um, unless you really have graphic design experience. And there's ways to do it so affordably now. And please get an editor, or someone outside to read it. And by the way, that could be, I'm gonna, if you feel you have proofreading skills, you might trade services. I'll proofread this author's book if they'll proofread my book. But it's still that getting an outsider perspective because we have our blind spots. And when we look at our own work and we get so caught up in, what do I think the best title is? What do I think the best way to say this is? What do I want to do? All this, we can get so in our own world, we don't realize that it might not make sense to another person or we overlook things. So I would say for the best results, absolutely look to how you can collaborate and partner with other people, even if that's just a, some type of service trade.
1: And I have to agree there 100%, Derek. Uh, in my bio, I've got this wonderful title called English Teacher written alongside some of my other things that I do and I tried to edit one book early on myself and I look at that book now and I cringe because there are errors in it now I read it um, I had a family member read it who's top of the class at English and the mistakes still got through us what's worse it is a middle grade fiction novel and kids are the biggest critics of all Uh, you need to be very very careful with all of that Uh, I've now got I've now found myself an editor and she's currently working through a novel that's to go out for me hopefully in the next little while Uh, I can't stress enough um, what Derek has said to all of us is get ourselves some help I picked up, you said, something about spending so much money while you're jumping up and down on the spot. I've paid out quite a few dollars um, getting getting editing work done, getting cover design done, um, putting my hand up for courses and help. But I, I feel that we can't get anywhere without putting some dollars in as well as time and effort.
0: I would agree and it's it's an investment that um, it's really like any other business. and when I started out I, I can definitely appreciate those who are coming from a place of not having much money because I like I said, at my beginning of this was a broke ballet Parker. I was selling off uh, my music equipment just to pay the rent each month. and so for me it was uh, sometimes to get into some marketing training, I would volunteer at a seminar to go to. So that was that was me getting creative and going, well, you know, I literally don't have the money in the bank, but I'm not going to let that stop me. What can I do? So that's one thing I would share uh, as a mindset is, is not I can't do this. I don't have the money for that. It's how can I? What can I do with the skills and resources I have? Who can I reach out to? What can I do for support? So uh, for me that was going to uh, volunteering and things like that. And it was also saying I'm gonna teach online guitar lessons to generate some extra income that I then funneled into my business and to get a designer to do some stuff and to uh to do some editing work and I and I look at it and um You know, by the way, even if, as I've had more success in my, my books, like the challenges are still there. Like for me, I still have the financial challenges because now there's bigger things that I want to do that are more expensive. And so it's like there's always going to be that next hurdle, uh, to jump over. So, I'm actually glad I developed that mindset of looking for solutions and looking how I can uh, generate income and then being willing, which is what you're getting at, I feel that that willingness to actually say, you know what? It's a business. I'm going to, uh, as I like to say, invest money, not so much spend money. It's an investment because the idea is there is going to be a return. If I – uh, invest $30 for a book cover or $100 for a book cover, but that generates me an extra $200 in sales over the next couple months, well, then that just makes sense. And if uh, getting a lower quality cover, to just make it very practical, means I'm not going to make as much money. Well, I might have saved a little bit of money in the short term, but I've actually lost more money overall because I wasn't willing to spend or invest what I had. So looking at it from really any other business, and I I can't say I've opened like a brick and mortar store or anything like that. I don't have experience, but I know that that costs a lot more money to open up a lot of those other businesses than it does to do self-publishing. So even with the expenses of self-publishing, it's relatively, um, you know, far more affordable compared to starting a lot of other businesses or even compared to getting a, a high-level education, some sort of college education or, or higher-level education would definitely be a lot more expensive. So it's, it's pretty reasonable when you look at it, uh, related to those things.
1: I was reading um, and reading in the night because it's, as I said, at six o'clock in the morning here, I was reading a comment by John Lee Dermis over at um, EO Fire and he was, he put the question there um, very succinctly, how much money is enough money? And he very openly says he's now cracked, I think it was the $2 million mark, I think it was per annum, It was it was a huge amount of dollars and he said he's still pondering how much money is enough money, but he started exactly where you are and exactly where I am and he's worked very, very hard. The other thing that has shone through, I think I'm up to about a dozen interviews now, one thing that's shone um, through very, very clearly um, with this podcasting gig is you've got to put in the time. The people who are successful work harder or far harder than you do in your day job and look as a teacher I put in a lot of hours in a day job Um, but with the business you've you've got to put in the the hard yards
0: yeah so I mean the the especially in the early stages it's going to be a bigger time investment uh, than in both time and money but the time part about it is I've, I've found from my experience and pretty much anyone that I've seen that's been in the entrepreneur world, you put in a lot more than you get out in return at first. And Then as you build systems and as you build experience and build momentum, now all of a sudden you can get a much bigger uh, return for less time. So what does that look like? Well, for instance, to sell five copies of a book might have been like, literally reaching out to a handful of people and, hey, I got this book. You know, Is it something you're interested in? Like, it's a hustle just to really get any little bit of traction. But as a person goes on and they build up their audience and they build up their list, now you have best-selling authors that they can write an email in five minutes, hit send and sell a thousand copies of their book because they have this whole audience that they've built up. So now – For far less time, they can get much greater results but to get there, they had to put in so much time without really seeing the immediate payoff and it's really – it's like getting in in shape. So jump into a fitness example. You know That 30 minutes or an hour of of working out, you don't really see a result from it. You don't see a change in the mirror. Nothing really tangibly happens from that but it's that consistency over time that allows a person to get a point where they can be in great shape and they don't even Really have to do that much to stay in great shape, other than a little maintenance, uh, because of all that time that they put in up front. So um, when it comes to the world of creating a business and creating books and, and being a successful author, it is that recognition that there's gonna be a lot more that's put in and invested up front for a return that happens down the road. Once again, just like a person would go get a an education or learn a trade skill they're probably going to spend a couple years being an apprentice learning uh the ins and outs paying more money and not getting anything in return so then that they can spend the rest of their life reaping the rewards of that once they get themselves established
1: yes um I've, i've confession even as you're speaking i have to put my hand up and now remember i'm going to get this guy to coach me and get me get me working and up and running uh I did join a gym and I did pay the money and it's not making me the slightest bit fit because I haven't turned up there yet and it's I've, I've joined four courses uh, to further my education and the latest course was audio course with you Derek and I read the first part of it last night so yes you can pay your money but you have to do the hard yards as well and I will see the results and I will work my way through but I have to turn up the gym to make it happen Uh, which brings me very very um, clearly to my next topic which you mentioned systems. I love that creative word I I have all these wonderful ideas and I'm smack bang in the middle of a beautiful one at the moment um, with my podcasting journey but it's the systems behind the creative work that a lot of us are having trouble getting our heads around because it takes just as much time as our writing. Um, My techie actually sent me an email in the night and he said, you're doing wonderfully well here, Mel, but um, what's happened to the writing? Um, Would you like to talk us through some of the systems that, as a creative, that you found help you the most?
0: Yeah, so... um... I can I can tailor that uh, specifically. So systems, um, what would be a specific area you'd like to know a, a system around?
1: Well, I'm as I said, I've, I've got my podcast up and running. I I have um, all my social media. I've just jumped into social media boots and all, which is very time consuming, um, but it's given me great followers. I've had great downloads on my podcasts, but the lead um, lead magnet. Book that I need to have up there on that website to get people to sign up to that um, holy grail of email list building, it's not there because I actually haven't finished the editing to get it up there. So I guess it's it's putting the systems in place to make sure that you balance everything out to make sure it's all happening, not just parts of it.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be – there's there's a couple approaches with that so first of all you've taken the first steps to get some part of the system in place so just speaking to the example that you gave and then this is of course universal for all of us going through this process so um, it's normal to have basically something be an evolving, System, and that's where I say, you know, what's the what's the minimal viable system? And there's another concept of minimal viable product. So if you consider the outcome that you're trying to achieve, which is let's say building up uh, the email list, the minimal viable system is something that has traffic leading to the offer, leading to a, uh, let's say a conversion or subscriber. So that's the basic system. And right now, you, it looks like you have traffic or people that are um, building that up. That one entry part is sort of building and bubbling up, but there's no way they're not being directed to anything yet. So uh, that's a good starting point. Now you know, okay, I need to put in the next part of the system, which is getting them to an offer, and then the third part, the conversion. And then you can start to break that down into um, what's what's the weak link in the chain. So if you get a lot of people going to your offer but not a lot of people from go, you know getting your offer or opting in for it, then you know I need to work on the conversion part. Um, if you got great conversions but you're not getting a lot of people to the offer, you need to build up the traffic. So the key thing with all of these systems because they can become complicated over time is keep it as simple as possible. Absolutely, as simple as possible, and this is the reminder I have to give myself. So I'm coaching myself as I say a lot of this stuff in this in this uh, podcast. It comes from firsthand experience. So for me, I can get overwhelmed because I can go, okay, I gotta create this lead magnet, and there's ten different ideas I have for that, and then I can do with with Facebook ads, and then I can or Facebook uh, social media, but then there's Twitter, and then I can do over here, and I can do this joint venture, and it's like. There's so many things, so it's really what's the bare minimum I need to get some sort of working system that I can immediately start tweaking. So in your case, You clearly have identified, okay, um, my goal, my outcome, start there is building my email list. Then you work backwards. So build an email list. So what's the step before they go to the email list? Well, they have signed up for something, some sort of offer. Okay, and then what's the step before the offer? Well, they'd have to come to the offer. So I got to get an audience of people and drive them to the offer. So that's how you break it down. You work with the end in mind and then go back. Uh, backtracking to find your strategy uh, to do that. Even when it comes to book sales, that's what I'm thinking when I come up with my let's say my system for selling a book. So here's what that looks like. I don't do what a lot of struggling authors do which is they write a book, they got the book done and they go okay great, how do I market this? What do I do? How do I get people to it? What I do is before I write a word, I go, what's the book that's going to sell? And then I backtrack that process and go create that book. Now, that doesn't mean I'm doing uncreative work. That doesn't mean I'm just going in there and writing any old book because I'm trying to like sell out and do whatever. Now, I'm writing about what I'm passionate about. However, I think what's, what's the intersection of my passion with a book that's actually going to sell? So if I go, OK, the book is up on Amazon, for instance, and I'm visualizing that. So what's going to happen before that? Well, before they click the buy button, they're going to be reading the Amazon description. Okay, great. So what's going to be in my title and my subtitle and my description that's really captivating and that really is going to sell them on that? But before they get to um, the Amazon description, if I backtrack that, what are they going to see? Well, they're going to see it in the Amazon search results or the customers who bought this. And in order for them to click on it, they're only really going to see the cover and the title. So what cover and title is going to make them click? So before I even write the book, I'm already thinking what's going to be a title and maybe even the cover that's really going to entice them to read this book. and See, I keep working backwards to where when I start with my first word of the book, I already have the theme, might have the title or a working title that I'm now working through to create that book that I already feel is going to sell. So for instance, I might create the description, the title, and the subtitle for a book. I could do that before I've even written the book. And you'll hear this, this is true with fiction and nonfiction. I hear a number of fiction authors say they start with the really enticing plot. So they say, you know, if I told people this one sentence hook, if I posted that, they'd be like, ooh, I got to read that book. They come up with that first, and then they go and they write the book around that plot or that theme. So that's, um, Sort of a breakdown of, of for the creative process of creating these systems of starting with the end in mind and then working your way backward.
1: I have heard that, I have read that, but I've never heard it put so succinctly. So thank you, Derek. Uh, I was sceptical when I first heard that, but the thing that you you highlighted today that is so very, very important, you're still writing the book that you want to write, you're still writing about what you're passionate about, but you are, I suppose in Journo speak, you're slanting it towards your potential audience to benefit them because they may not pick up your book if you don't get that, that step right. So you're not doing it for you so much. You're, you're doing it to give something to your reader and that's something that comes up time and time again as I, as I read and as I watch and as I listen is it's our job to give our readers what they want and to benefit them.
0: And yeah, in a, in an analogy that one of my uh, business partners uh, like to say. Say his name's Ben. He says, uh, "I'm going to paraphrase. It's like it doesn't matter how beautiful your French is if the other person speaks Chinese. So you might be saying something really clever, or amazing in French, but if that's not the language the person on the receiving end needs to hear it in." Well, it's kind of like whose fault is that or whose responsibility is that to make sure it's communicated in such a way? So you're just – you're speaking the language that the reader needs to hear it in so that they get it. And I know that can be a challenge for some of us creative types because we're like, well, I want to express what I want to express. I want to say it how I want to say it and I say it's yes. And it's not an either, or it's not, I either do it my way or I got to sell out and conform to what other people want. The the truth is true creativity is, is finding that, um, you know, to unleash your create creativity in a way that allows you to go, how can I express it? How I want to express it and have the, the readers or the people that I want to connect with hear it in a way that they need to hear it in a way that they resonate with. Now, If that doesn't interest you, if a person's like, I only want to say what I want to say and I'm not going to conform to anyone, okay, that's cool. It might just be a hobby and not a business because a business is going to entail um, people in the marketplace wanting it. So I believe though it's not even a question of either or. If you go, this is what I'm passionate about. If it's what's in your heart and what you want to speak and what you want to say, by all means create that. Do what's in your heart. Do what – fills you with joy um, and then when you want to make it a business, that's when you go if it's not seeing the sales you want, then you can look and go, okay, is the way I'm saying it just about me and what I want to do, what's going to fulfill me or is it also connecting with other people and am I am I being clear and sort of letting go a little bit of some ego potentially and, and saying you know, how can I have this connect with others too? Mm.
1: And I was, I was, again, when you do these courses, everyone, they always have Facebook groups that you can join and you get to talk to like-minded people as they work through some of these problems that Derek is, is putting out there for us. And I was looking at one post yesterday and it had a, a guy needed a title for his book and he put up three or four titles for his book and it was about going from he was bullied as a child, I'm assuming it was him, someone was bullied as a child and how they recovered from their adversity and went on to greater opportunities. And he his titles all contained the words I was bullied and I went on and recovered. Instead of turning it around and making it a, a book that would appeal to his reader and said something about um, adversity and opportunity which would open it up to all of us. He was very focused on his anecdote, whereas my suggestion was let go of the anecdote, you can still have it in your book, yes, you were bullied and that's great, but we all want to know about adversity and opportunity. And if you're focused on those two words in your title, you may get more interest because it taps into readers' needs far better than perhaps his anecdote did. Is is that the sort of thing that you're talking about?
0: Yeah, so absolutely. Being able to connect it with, uh, you know, sort of the question in, in marketing is what's in it for me? So when people hear a message, they go, well, how how is that going to help me? And there is a place certainly for case studies or for saying, hey, here's how I overcame something, and, and some people are going to resonate with that. Um, it really is a matter of what he's um what he's trying to accomplish, just using that as an example, um, it, what the author is trying to accomplish, who they want to connect with, and then being willing to have that feedback and going, okay, if I say how I was bullied and overcame it, for instance, there might be certain people who want to hear that story. Uh, they need to know that either by explicitly said or by the sort of underlying current of the book that. OK, I'm assuming that can help me too. Like is that what it's getting at? Because if it's only so caught up in um, in like here's what I've done and people don't get how it's going to help them, uh, then it's not necessarily going to connect. So with all that being said, the caveat, there's not really a right or wrong way of, of doing things. Um, it's really by getting that survey and that feedback, he can see that, OK, if um, seventy percent of the audience says they'd rather just hear about the theme of overcoming adversity, and um, only ten percent really connect with or, or seem to care about. You know, his personal I was this and went to that. Then he can take that as feedback and go, I can adjust it. Now, if on the other hand, another person finds that, um, you know, a, a good portion of the audience they're trying to reach does resonate with, however they worded it, then. Great, you know, you're never gonna have something that absolutely pleases everyone or works with every learning style or preference or or anything with that uh, fiction or nonfiction. You know, that's that's the joy of it is we do have a little bit of that uh, room for creative flexibility while at the same time remembering the overall principle is. Uh, you know, the more people that connect with it, the more potential readers uh, that there can be, and ultimately more potential sales and success as a writer.
1: Actually, I'm, I'm having a bit of a chuckle here as you're speaking, Derek. I think of myself in the classroom with 30 teenage boys looking at me, and they've all got their computers in front of them, and they'd much rather be on their computers. As a teacher, you've got to suddenly go, wow, there's 30 kids here with different learning styles, they all want something from you, but it's got to interest them. You suddenly get to be a lot more adaptable um, in presenting your materials as if to say... I've lost him. I've lost thirty of them. They're on. They're on their computers where they can find the information they want far more quickly than you can deliver it in a story that interests everybody. So you've got to be very selective with your material. And you mentioned early um, MVAs, um, minimal viable systems, and MV oh MV, MVs is M MVAs. Let me get the lingo right. Uh, minimal viable systems and um, minimal viable. What's the other one? A.
0: Uh, minimal viable—I believe—product uh, is what I—I mm-hmm. I said before. So, minimal viable product. I don't know if I had an MVA, minimal viable, and on uh, the product app. and systems. Yeah,
1: product and systems. I was reading those exact things in a book. Um, last night and it's called One Step at a Time and it's The Game of Inches by Nigel Collins and it said rather than attack everything at once break it down into very small steps do do one thing at a time and I started my journey with the Freedom Journal um, which was John Lee Dermis's um, little bible that went out there and in a hundred days if you do something every day you'll get closer to your goal and in this book um, The Game of Inches it's got target your audience, find out what they want, and then set about giving it to them. And I think that's the message that you've been giving us all the way through this talk is make sure you're providing what your audience wants as opposed to doing what you want, putting it out there and sitting there and going, why don't people like it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'll just I'll keep reiterating that there is a harmony um between these things, because what what happens in a, I think it's something about the way we're taught. We we tend to taught, um, you know, something is right or wrong. Like it's either the right way or the the wrong way, and because of that, we can get caught up in this either or thinking. While either I write for what my readers want, but I'm sacrificing what I'm passionate about, or I write what I'm passionate about, but you know. Uh, then I don't sell as many books because it's what I want, not what the readers want. But really, once again, it is – there is a middle path. There is an intersection where these two things uh, can meet and it's sort of like uh, really in a relationship with anyone. So if you have a relationship with uh, – imagine a relationship you have with a friend or a family member. You know that if you want to communicate something to them, you need to put it a certain way – For them, you need to use a certain analogy. You need to use a certain tone of voice. You need to say it in the way that they're going to hear it and appreciate, which might be different than a different friend or family member needs to to hear it. So you're just having that consideration for the receiver. Of, of what you're saying where it's saying I'm getting to say what I want to say and I'm tailoring it and crafting it in such a way that the I know that the receiver is going to appreciate it and, and that they're going to get it. Because if I'm the one communicating, it's my responsibility to be clear in that communication, which is an ongoing lesson for me because I tend to think – Well, if they don't get it, that's their problem. They just don't get it. I was totally clear and I I have to humble myself continuously and going, okay, if they didn't get it, how could I have been more clear? What do I need to learn about them? And um, sometimes that means asking them, okay, what wasn't clear? How can I more effectively, um, you know, what do you need to know or whatever that is, which very practically in the book marketing world can be running surveys and getting that feedback on titles and descriptions and things like that.
1: Which is, which is the worst thing that we writers want to hear because as soon as we mention surveys and all that kind of stuff, our creative bunnies run out the window and go out to play. Um, but if there's one thing that I'm learning is I have to take a step back and engage that analytical brain and it's a real job. Um, but I do have written over my desk as I, as I, um, record these podcasts, what kinds of things would my, listener want to hear as opposed to what do I want to know. Uh, Derek's been wonderful today and as usual, I've gone over my 30-minute allocation that I promised him and I had started today and I'm in the process of thinking about putting my audiobooks out there and I've brought um, Derek on to talk about his audiobook course. As you've noticed, we haven't even touched on that um, because as Derek started to talk, he took us on that wonderful self-publishing journey. I'm sure, Derek, that you have answered far more questions for my listeners today about that journey uh, than I could have possibly asked of you um, with my inane questions scattered all over here on pieces of paper, so I thank you. I think we will save the audiobook thing for another podcast if I can, can um Take advantage of your generosity maybe down the track um, because there is still a market in audiobooks even though there is talk that it that it is waning a little but I do notice that most people that they when they put out a book now there is a print copy there's a an ebook copy and there's an audio attached to it so more and more we have to think of the whole package to give our, our audiences um, the choice of how they take on our information.
0: Yeah, so uh, happy to come back and talk on audiobooks and happy to share anything that I, I can uh, with you and, um, You know, one thing that you you just had mentioned, and I'll I'll make a quick comment on it, is that survey and the idea of the editor, the analytical brain shutting down the creative part of the brain, and that is actually kind of the way it works. That's why uh, experienced writers know it's best to just free flow write and not edit as we're in the creative process because it'll quickly shut it down. And yet, at the same time, the paradox is that allowing ourselves to be somewhat analytical for a period of time then allows us to go back into more creativity. So. Um, If I just have my set way of doing things, then I'm kind of stuck with that, with what I'm used to and what I'm – my habits in a sense of writing or doing stuff. But if I get outside feedback and run surveys, it actually allows me to have more creativity because now I'm getting feedback and I "I never even thought about that or how would I reach this particular type of person and now that actually – allows me to be more creative and do things a little different and think outside the box so if you're the more creative type and you like that and something feels restrictive there's a reframe around that that actually you know what that restriction isn't really a restriction it's an opportunity to be even more creative that survey is an opportunity to come up with five different book titles and maybe i was stuck on one but now i get to be creative and come up with more and once i get the feedback from that I get to be creative and come up with even more variations and tweaks and and connecting with different people regardless of what you ultimately end up doing. So with all of these restrictions, you are actually setting yourself up for more freedom down the road and it's that paradox that through constraints, we're actually set free and sometimes if we're so set free as we talked about earlier with all these possibilities, we become constricted with I can't even make a choice now, right? So it's an interesting yin-yang yin, type of dynamic and, and dance that takes place between these things. So I encourage you to think of it all as a dance and have fun with it and uh, treat it as an exploration process that can be a lot of fun.
1: And and I think fun is, is the final word because all the feedback that I'm getting with the podcast and all the things that I'm doing is have fun. And I've got to tell you some of the interviews I've had have been fun some of the technology problems that I've had haven't been so much fun but we've still managed to laugh about it Uh, Derek and I today were on completely different channels when we were trying to meet up this morning but we managed to find each other very well Um, it's not the first time that it's happened I love that word reframe Um, it's certainly something that I'm going to add to my vocabulary um, because by reframing things seeing things in a different manner we can continue to grow and if there's something that I've learned out of all my studies and all my courses and all my listening and reading is that there is so much room to grow. Um, I tried YouTube live streaming yesterday. Absolute nightmare. Didn't have a hope of making it work. Low video resolution or something. Um, I'm not allowed to kick my computer because it's worth a lot of money but uh, I certainly would like to many times. I I'm determined to lick this um, technology problem that I have or this technology block and that word reframe is I need to accept that I can't blame my age as a barrier, I, I need to get in there, if my students can do it, I can do it. As I'm just about to say goodbye to Derek here, I'm looking at this wonderful row of guitars and things behind him. He's got all the equipment. He looks so professional. And remember, once upon a time, he wanted to be a rock star. Um, but again, we've got that word introvert coming up that pops up with so many of us when we talk about writing. So Derek, I, th- I think you've found a wonderful um, place to be my, right now. You are certainly motivating. Uh, you certainly do encourage the rest of us. Your journey is inspiring and you have the person and demeanour to to help the rest of us along the way. So everybody, uh, I'll I'll put in the show notes um, how to contact Derek. Um, All the advice that he's given us will be in the show notes. Everything that I do now, uh, has to bring me back to my call to action what do I want from my audience right now It's something Derek that I have failed miserably in doing normally I just say goodbye see you later and we hang up but I did read that I have to say I need a call to action so everybody please pop over to uh, Rider on the road com. sign up for my email list and you will certainly get to hear more and more people like Derek coming on and telling us how to continue on our, our storytelling journey. Um, and I've already asked um, a few of you to come back and share more of your knowledges with us because we've got so much to learn.
0: Yeah. And, and with that, I'll, I'll quickly say, as we wrap up, uh, thank you so much for having me on Melinda and um... As always, I'm, I'm happy to, to come back and share even more. and People are feel free. Reach out to me. The info will be in the show notes, info at secrets.com You can shoot me an email if you have any questions, anything that comes up. Thank
1: you. Okay. Uh, thank you. That's wrapping up for now.